Welcome to the Flow Performance Podcast. My name is Ricky Dan, founder of Flow Nutrition. And if you are someone wanting to experience more flow state in your life, then you have come to the right place. We are here to help you learn and be inspired by high-performing athletes and the leading experts in health, performance, and recovery. On today's episode, we chat with an absolute legend and a very important person within the Flow Nutrition brand, Mackenzie Baker. Mac is a close mate of mine and someone who has supported the brand from the very start. Mac is an accredited sports nutritionist with a postgrad diploma in performance nutrition and has recently completed a master's in sport and exercise nutrition. Mac has recently published one of the first ever research papers in surfing nutrition, specifically looking at low energy availability in surfers. And in my opinion, he is one of the best in the business, particularly for surfing nutrition. We had such a comprehensive chat. I've actually split our conversation into two parts. In this episode, part A, we dive into Mac's relationship with Flow State and what makes him stoked. He discusses why he decided to pursue nutrition as a career and the action that he took to transition from a fairly rigid lifestyle to his now flexible approach to nutrition and his life in general. There is so much gold in this chat, so if you find it valuable, don't be afraid to share it with a mate or post it up on your Instagram story and tag Flow Performance Podcast. Any support getting this content out is greatly appreciated, and hopefully together we can make an impact within the action and adventure sport communities. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat with Mackenzie Today, I have a very special guest sitting in front of me, the one and only Mackenzie Baker. How you doing, mate? I'm doing well. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Amazing, mate. I'm so glad we could have this chat in person. It is sick that you are back in Australia and even better that you're back here on the Gold Coast. And the timing couldn't be any better because you're the exact person that I wanted for episode number one. So for the listeners, we're going to start off by asking a really simple question. Who is Mackenzie Baker and what makes him stoked? Mackenzie <laughs> uh, Blake, Mackenzie Blaker, Mackenzie Baker, he's just a bloke who likes to go surfing, uh, who, you know, wants to do life on his own terms and I don't think that's so unique. I just feel like a lot of people in this world today, they know that but for whatever reason they don't act in that accordance with it and I think nutrition can be a big analogy for this as well because, you know, it's an example of something that we can use to enhance our existence and our enjoyment of life and help us do the things that are important to us but so many folks use it in other ways that brings guilt, anxiety or negativity, or they're just simply not using or attaining the benefits that it brings. Um, So, you know, I'm into nutrition, obviously the reasons why I'm into nutrition, it's a, it's a long story, uh, but it includes phases of um, being a person that wasn't me. It includes trying to satisfy modern ideals and what, 
sort of society thinks you're meant to do sounds a little bit like, you know, love yourself, whatever. And I'm not like that, all right? But, you know, I'm just telling it like it is. There was, and, and it's included phases of disordered eating. It's included, uh, you know, following every fad and falling for every, all the crap under the sun. And really the culmination of all that is fueled why, what, it, what it is for me today, which is not only just a big interest, but also a career of mine. Um, you asked me what stoked is, what, what stoked is for me or what makes me stoked, I think you said. It's a really hard one to answer because there are so many things that make me happy. Um, it can be helping someone improve their existence via their chain, changes in diet or even their mindset towards food, how they think about food, how they think about themselves. Um, so it could be to do with some, my, my occupation as a sport nutritionist um, it could be to do with, um, you know, my lifestyle that I've created. Like I'm really stoked with what it's turned out to be and how I'm able to live this life that aligns with, you know, what I want to do in my day-to-day existence. Um, and of course it's getting spat out of a big tube, obviously. Um, and yeah, you know, like I love travel, um, I'm, I, I'm in the fortune position where I can travel and my income doesn't really change. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that. I've been exploring different parts of the world and um, that adds an element to the the stoke, I guess, because, you know, when I travel, I think about like surfing's at the forefront of the 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 characteristics of the places I go to. But when you think about, you know, when people go on surf trips, it's like about getting good waves. But for me, it's so much more than that. It's about, oh, I've worked so hard to be in a position where I can be in this, you know, insert remote part of Indonesia. Um, And I've put myself in this position where I've been able to, you know, be present on this day with these waves here. And it's so much more than just having the skill and the confidence to paddle into a wave and then just, you know, pull into it or whatever and have that skill to ride the wave like for me stoke in the concept in the context of surfing encompasses that but then also um the whole process of getting there the adventure but then the effort i've put in to create the lifestyle that supports and facilitates that yeah mate that is that just sounds like such a deep level of stoke and there's just so much more to it than just getting sped out of that barrel and I was going to explore that further um, down in, in the in the podcast, but let's just keep on that topic now. I would love to understand how you did get to the current position you're in. Um, we had a really good chat the other day about how your life has previously changed from being a PT, like tracking your macros and living somewhat of a rigid sort of lifestyle to now traveling the world, working purely remotely, Um, surfing every day and simply doing things that you love every day um, because it does really sound like that you are truly stoked with your life. So maybe if we can start with what life looked like before you were a nutritionist and had all these things. Yeah, so um, I finished school and I was adamant on becoming an industrial designer. I went to uni and did an undergrad in industrial design And during that time, I was scouted by the fashion industry and I was doing like a bit of fashion modeling. Like I walked in Australian Fashion Week four years in a row. I walked for David Jones, did some cool stuff like that. Um, So that was me. That was who I was. I was a uni student. Um, I was, you know, doing that on the side. 
And I wasn't surfing at the time because, you know, going to uni, partying, getting involved in that, um, you know, they're just surfing. There was just no time for that. You know, there was more well, no time in quotations. It just, and I think a, a big part of that is because through my teen years, everyone wanted to rip. It was all about being the best surfer. And if you weren't ripping, then it wasn't fun. So I just burnt out. You know, I was never, I was honestly, I, like I was never going anywhere as far as athletic level. Like I was never going to be a pro surfer. Like, oh, there was never a glimmer of hope in that. And obviously I knew that even as a kid. But, you know, there was still that part of it where you take it really seriously. You'd be surfing with all your mates and you'd do the board riders comps and stuff. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I have a bit of an all or nothing mentality. And that came, like the consequence was the demise of my interest in surfing. And so for that period, I wasn't actually surfing. Anyway, with the modeling thing, um, it really does, it lend itself to a preoccupation with like your appearance and, uh, you know, there's such a heavy tie with how you look and not just how much money you earn, but also your status in that field. Like it's a status thing. So, um, you know, I started going to the gym, um, and you know, I, I made literally no, there was no change, no change. And it kind of frustrated me. And because I'm an all or nothing person, I wanted to get answers. So, um, I got more and more into training, um, in the gym. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it's my nutrition. So I should think about that. And, you know, I used to go on YouTube and watch like all these random YouTubers and stuff. Um, in my last year of my undergrad, the modeling thing wasn't really going anywhere. Like it got to the point where I probably wasn't going to, you know, like uh, progress with that and it was starting to die out. And, you know, I just was like all the promises from the agents or whatever was, you know, really shallow. And I just kind of knew that, you know, this is just something you'll do at uni. So I, I was like, I got to get another part-time job. There was a job, a, a gym up the road as a receptionist. Um, so I started off in that gym as a receptionist and I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to learn more about training nutrition. The owners of the, those gyms, of that gym, the, the brothers there, absolute legend, took me under their wing, um, really helped me a lot. But unfortunately, their approaches to nutrition were very fad-like and very uh, just basically a lot of crap. Um, at, it's not a stab at them because they honestly didn't know. It's, they, they, had, they weren't doing anything to harm me or anything. It's just a case of not being aware was this something that you were aware of at the time because you hadn't any hadn't had any real formal nutritional training at yeah. that point i trusted them wholeheartedly yeah. so i was doing i was in their 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 whole thing about nutrition which was very for those in the personal training fitness industry will know about the poliquin thing charles poliquin and it's very like you know anti-carb uh pro-organic lots of random supplements it's not evidence-based let's just put it that way but you know if sort of I don't know, maybe it was like six years ago now, it was all the rage. It was trending. It, like it, if you were on the Poliquin thing, you were like the cutting edge personal trainer. Um, so I was stuck into that. And then I kind of felt all this pressure to be this personal trainer person with a good rig and who emulated the personal trainer thing. Um, so I took training more seriously. I remember I wasn't surfing at this point. So you know, I was training a lot and then I was like, I'm going to do a physique competition. I actually competed in an ICN competition. So that's the natural federation thing in men's fitness. So it's, it's not even body, it's not bodybuilding or anything. Um, but, you know, like I just did that. And to long story short, like it effed up my relationship with food and it completely worsened my body image, like my uh, mindset towards how I look. And um, it really started to spiral. There was... Uh, really dark times in my life, binge eating, all these sort of things. And oh, by the way, one one 
thing I want to mention in this is that throughout that time I was doing like education on nutrition, but it wasn't like, it was like light education, if you will. Uh, but I was learning more about nutrition, but I was still very much in that polyquin camp thing. So I was doing all this stupid, stupid shit. Like, you know, you name it, I did. I had a coach once who was like, you can't have duck eggs. Sorry, you can't have chicken eggs. You've got to have duck eggs. So I would scour like Patty's markets in Sydney to find them and all these supplements and you can't have these foods and these foods are good and the, the cheat meal once a week thing, which really just ended up in a binge restrict cycle. And it was just horrid. Um, and I was at a point where I was gaining weight and it wasn't muscle. I was gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight. Uh, and no matter my best abilities... Uh, I was not stopping that. It was just keep going. And I was training heaps and I would just train more and more and more um, because, you know, to try and justify in my head, if I train hard, I can eat more. Anyway, it was just real shit. But on reflection, what was fueling that? It sounds like there's a lot of shit going on in the background. What made you just keep like that mindset of just keep training, just keep going, keep rocking up? I think at the time it was all I had in my life. Like I'd finished my uni degree. I was a personal trainer. Um, I wasn't surfing and I was like, how can I make something for myself? You know, I didn't have any real passions at that time. And I was fueled by this, this, like, I want to be this person. Like if I achieve this, then people will think about me differently. I'll be viewed in a different way. Cause I was so like the whole mindset of how you look impacts how people think of you was just like, it's the truth. That was what I was thinking at the time. What's well, so external, all of the outcomes of what you're doing, you're basing everything based off the perceptions of others. Whereas what I would argue now is all of your decisions are somewhat internal, right? It's what makes you feel happy. It's what makes your body feel good. Is that sort of the, the vibe that you were getting? Everything was external at that time? Yeah. it was. I was being a person who wasn't me. Like I never, as a teenager, if you said to me, you're going to be a gym bro, I would have just been like, no way. Like all through school, I was a kid who... You know, I was pretty good at cricket. I dropped cricket so I could play basketball because basketball only went for 40 minutes, which means I could go surfing. Like I rejected school sport. I went to this, you know, stuck up private school in Sydney, you know, school spirit and rowing and rugby and like, you know, Scots boys, fine young men, all that bullshit. Um, And I was like anti that. I was like the – but then after school, I was was being this bro. Um, And I – I was just living a life like that wasn't me. It's almost because I didn't have anything else at the time. Like I wasn't open to restarting surfing. Um, and anyway, so I grew so skeptical of the nutrition recommendations and things that I was learning that I started to actually develop a bit of a, um, yeah, this skepticism. And I started to question it. And I identified common themes among when I'd had success with diet through like the dieting phases for the comp or with clients, personal training clients. I was, yeah, I was giving nutrition advice then, which is terrible. But anyway, um, and it was all like, and, and I couldn't control things. So I decided to pull everything back down to the bare bone basics with my approach. And I started tracking my calories and just focusing on total calories and not worrying about everything else. Real balanced meals, not worrying about, oh, you know, you can't have carbs here and like all this crap. And I started to actually gain control of my weight. And I want to preface or just kind of do a disclaimer here. My weight never got to an obese. I was never obese. But for me, as that skinny kid in school who was then in the fashion industry as a model, I was out of – the biggest thing was that I I was out of control. It wasn't necessarily that my weight was just ridiculous. I was heavier. I was was like 99 kilos, 
like which isn't heavy for a lot of people's standards, but for me it was. But the biggest issue was the lack of control and, and just like the the psychology around it. So that was a problem. Anyway, I got control of that and um, I improved my appearance and the way I felt and it was all through tracking macros and all this. So it really kind of just created a new problem. But long story short is once I realized the that principles and I started to become more open to like an evidence-based approach, I then was like, I want to learn more. So that's when I dove into legitimate study and like not just going to these weird seminars that would be run by a personal trainer who thinks they're a gastroenterologist, but an actual like, you know, understanding about energy balance and like that sort of side of nutrition. And the guys at the gym were really like still in their old camp. And I really started to throw shade at them. And, you know, eventually I actually left that gym because it just got too heavy. And then at that point, um, people started approaching me for nutrition because I started to talk about, hey, you know, like I followed all these polycon fads and now I've done the evidence-based thing, like it's changed this. And the thing is like that was really positive, but there were still so many issues there and it created problems like reliance on tracking for me to control my nutrition. But, um, and that's when like the education thing started. That's when I started to build up clients with nutrition. Um, and like, it was kind of like a side gig for years while I was still a personal trainer. Like it's the thing I sort of did on the side. A lot of my PT clients would also do nutrition. And then in the, in the background there, I was doing the formal study. And then it just got to the point where I'm just going to take a bit of a leap of faith. I realized that I wasn't actually into personal training. Like I just did it cause it was, like I started off as a receptionist at the gym and then all of a sudden the trainers weren't showing up and the boss would be like, you're not qualified to be a PT, but someone's got to run the group classes. and Which is scary. That yeah. scares me. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And I nailed it. And then he was like, well, do you just want to be a PT now? <laughs> That's insane. So that, that mindset shift though, how much of that do you think is just based off the different environments you were in? Because we are... Um, shaped a lot by the people we're surrounded with and the environments we're in. So when you're in the gym every day talking to gym bros versus, hey, now I'm at university listening to professors and lecturers um, teach us these things, Like, how much of it is just like that new environment, do you think, that has shaped this new way of thinking? A large deal, but I think a bigger thing is trends. Like at the time, I felt this massive drive to be this personal trainer person. And I wanted to be a smart personal trainer and who's the most innovative cutting edge person at the time in fitness, Charles Poliquin. And it was just, it's kind of like people who get into biohacking. They think they're like smarter than everyone else. They're like, Oh, I'm a biohacker, but really it's just all charlatan bullshit. Um, and they just don't realize and they just look stupid and they'll probably realize it one day. And that was, that was me. And I, I said, questioned it. And then I started to form my own views rather than just listening to the people who I worked with. And like I said, it kind of, created tension and then I actually left the gym uh, for other reasons as well. But nothing against them. Like, honestly, amazing guys. That, that those, those dudes, it was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, so then the formal study slowly started building up clients. I let go of personal training and uh, realized that nutrition is really the thing for me. Um, and I was coaching people like a little bit more macro coaching at the time. Like, okay, we track calories and... Well, of course, it, it worked for you in the past. So you can only preach what's what's worked for you. And Yeah, it was yeah. all data and, and, data and numbers and, and that sort of thing. And um, then I had like a quarter life crisis where I was like, I freaking look great. I'm ripped. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm 
got this nutrition thing. And at the time I was still doing personal training a little bit. So I was like, you know, I'm earning good money. You know, I'm doing all these things, but I'm freaking sad. I'm really sad and I shouldn't be sad. And then I realized that I don't have a passion for training. Like I like moving my body, but I don't have a passion for being that guy who goes to the gym five, six days a week, who follows a program, who tracks his macros. I was, I was not being me. And I'd get to the weekend where I should not be training. Like it's a rest day on Sunday and I would have nothing to do. And I'd be like, well, I can either work or I can go to the gym. And sometimes I would just go and do like an arm session or something. Or sometimes I would just write Instagram posts or read something. And that really got to me. I was like, isn't life meant to be for living? And here I am like, you know, I've gone into social isolation because I don't want to go out because I can't track the food. Um, I've stopped all the activities I enjoy because gym is more important, bro. Um, I wasn't willing to travel because of the disruptions to my training and nutrition. Um, and you know, I didn't really care about being this guy. Like I was just like, what the hell am I doing? So I was like, I need a new hobby. I consciously said to myself, I need a new hobby. And at first I was so closed off to surfing because I was like, I did it as a kid and there's a reason why I stopped it. You know, I did it all through from the age of seven to 18, something like that. Well, I want to just zoom in on that moment there though. Like what did it take for you to actually start questioning that? Because I feel like so many people just go through their life with as the old Mac, right? They're, they're happy, but they're never truly fulfilled like you are now with the work that you're doing. And, and just showing up and being happy and content every day is such an easy thing to get stuck in. Whereas, you know, you've asked yourself that question, like, is there something else that's going to be um, better for me that's going to make me more fulfilled? Like, how did you get to that stage? Because I feel like a lot of people are sitting on that fence where they can make a change, but there hasn't been enough resistance or enough something inside of them to actually make that change. Life was just so like unappealing. I'm not even going to say unexciting. I'm just going to say unappealing. Like nothing got me going. It was really going through the motions. Um, It was just emptiness. And, you know, for so long I would be – the the idea of like well on paper things should be good that kind of kept me going for so long thinking that oh no it's it's fine like just push to the side and there was in my mind I was I've always been someone who is a little bit closed off to showing emotion like you know my dad used to say things to me like you know you know there's no point in in whinging or there's no point like just get the job done like that was very much the attitude and you know the school I went to like you know you got to be tough and you can't and and I just kind of said, no, nah, I'm, I'm a hard cunt. <laughs> I'm just going to like keep going. It's all fine. I don't like all this therapy, like woo-woo stuff. Like I don't need to talk to people about how I feel. Um, and yeah, I was, just, I was just not happy with life, man. Like to be honest, this wasn't enjoying it. I was like, is this life? I'm in my 20s. Um, I'm living in Bondi. Uh, it's meant to be fun and you're meant to be having your best time. But the, the little catch there is like life doesn't look bad on the surface. And I think people have this thing in their mind where they're like, the only time you need to make a change is when life is terrible and miserable. But it's like life can look good on the outside. You can you can be achieving somewhat meaningful things and you know, you're in good shape and you're having good routines and habits. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're fulfilled and happy like deep inside. So I think that's, yeah, just such an important thing to take that moment for everybody to reflect on 
you know, are my actions and are is the direction that I'm going in really and truly where I want to go? Because it sounds like that just wasn't quite aligning with you yeah. at that time. It was just like the the sadness was just too strong that there was no way that I couldn't wake up and admit to myself that this isn't this isn't it. Um, and it was that point where I thought, like I said, I need I need a new hobby. Was closed off to surfing. I was like the gym. It's got to move to the side. There was a lot of fear around what happens if I train four days a week instead of five days. But I was like, it got to the point where I was willing to, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but like for me, that was a big move at the time. Um, so I, I looked at all these different hobbies. I was like, you know, I, I looked, I searched Google, like list of active sport hobbies. Like it got to that level. And I really got into rock climbing. Like I was like, rock climbing is awesome. I wanted something that... You know, like I used to do downhill mountain biking as well. That's something I didn't mention. And I raced at some national races and stuff when I was a teenager. And like surfing, I wasn't open to doing that again because I was like, there's such a high degree of risk. If I hurt myself, I can't train, go to the gym. You know, so rock climbing was the perfect thing for me because it's athletic, it's fit. It gives you a reason to eat well. Um, You get in the outdoors, like which actually was something that I was becoming more and more open to, like getting out into the outdoors. Um, Because I think about my teenage years when I used to do the mountain biking thing and I really liked going and visiting parts of Australia where – you know, you just wouldn't get do that if you were a city slicker. And I enjoyed that. Um, so rock climbing ticked a lot of boxes for me. I did it for a bit. Um, I, I kind of was one of those people who was like, I'm an adult and I'm going to invest everything in like mastery of this thing. So I had like coaches. Yeah. I went on like tours like to life the Blue Mountains. No, no, like rock climbing coaches. Oh, hectic. Yeah. Because yeah, right. I was like, and I, yeah. I was like, I'm going to invest in getting good at this and I'm going to like try and fast track it. Yeah. Well, there's your all or nothing mindset. It's yeah. like, if I'm going to give this a crack, I'm going to do it properly. Well, I just was like, I just want to get to the point where I'm competent very quickly. And I did. But it just, it just wasn't long lasted. Like I just, I liked it. I got into it. I thought it was great, but I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it that much. Um, and I went on a trip to Indonesia with my girlfriend and we did a little rock climbing thing was there, there. And I, I didn't actually enjoy it to be honest. I, I had a really bad day. Um, I just was not in a good headspace and I was rock climbing very poorly and it kind of got to me and I was like, maybe this isn't for me. I started to question it and then I was like, well, back to square one then in my mind. Anyway, we went to Lombok, which is funnily enough where I came from just before I came back to Australia and we were staying at a place down Kuta Lombok. So it's the same name as the Kuta in Bali, but it's not in Bali, obviously. And there were these dudes staying in the same place we were with their scooters and they had their surfboards on their scooters and everything. I was looking at that. I was like, the fuck? Why aren't I doing that? Like, that should be me. Yeah. So I got back to Australia. I messaged my brother. being like, you've still got one of my boards in your garage. And he's like, yep. So I grabbed it off him. And I was like, this is going to feel so weird. I can't even remember how to surf. Um, I chucked some fins in it. Didn't have a leg rope. And I was just like, it was a summer's day in Bronte in Sydney. Super crowded, busy, people swimming in the water. With no leg rope. And I had surfed for probably five years at that point. And I just thought, "There's, it's now. I'm going to try it. And I'm either going to get out of this surf and be like, it's done. Or I'm going to be like, this is, I might do this. Anyway, like I jumped on the board paddling out. I'm like, whoa, fuck, this feels so weird. Like it's so foreign. It's almost like, you know, you haven't done it for ages. And then wave comes, spin, catch it. It's like riding a bike, you know, and within like two surfs, two surfs, 
I was surfing reasonably like close to what I was before I stopped. And, and then it was like, that was the turning point where it was like, okay, I'm going to go a couple times a week. Like I was really conscious of burning out and, and taking it too seriously. And I still, to this day, have to pull myself back. But I, and then I just kind of gradually started surfing and taking it more seriously, taking it more seriously. And then I'd get close to burnout and be like, whoa, pull back, pull back. And just trying to like be aware of like the boundaries. And then, you know, next thing you know, you lead to this point and training is just something I do. Like gym training is just something I do because it makes me feel good. Um, I think it provides diversity in the physical activities that I do. Um, and you can't, you don't really want to surf every day. Like too much of a good thing becomes not enjoyable. Can you remember the point when surfing became a priority over the gym? Because I know there are days when it has been pumping surf. Yeah. I've been training for something and I've, I've gone for a shitty long run just looking at perfect four-foot offshore conditions going, fuck, why am I out here running when I could be surfing? Yeah. Was there a point when that shifted from like, nah, I'm always surfing over that? Yeah, to be honest, it was forced. It was COVID. Yeah, Because true. all of a sudden gyms were closed and, um, <laughs> you know, it was actually really funny. So people from like the Northern Rivers are going to hate me. And I understand because I'm one of those people who fuck with from Sydney. So they announced the lockdowns and they announced that gyms were closing. I'd always had in my mind that I wanted to leave Sydney. And I, at this point, I, was, I had some online clients. COVID had kicked off and they just literally announced we're, we're locking down gyms and everything. Within 48 hours, I gave up my lease because we were past the lease period and they hadn't renewed. So I could just cancel any time. So I gave up the lease, packed up everything, sold, got rid of just everything. And within like 48 hours, my car was packed and we we're on the road and I moved to Byron. And I spent lockdown in, in Byron. And at that point, obviously gyms were closed. That was the year where we had these pumping constant south swells mm, in autumn. I remember. Yeah. Mm. And I was living in Byron. Wow. So the surf was pumping. There was no gym. So I was kind of forced to accept it and I kind of lent into it. And that was the thing that really changed, like moved the dial where all of a sudden I'd gotten comfortable and happy and the consequences of it were there was no consequences. I was in my head like, oh, if I train less, like I'm going to lose this image that I was still very much like it's like my identity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I... Yeah, that was the point and then it just kind of escalated. The next thing you know, I'm moving to Indonesia, living in Indonesia and and now I'm comfortable with spending like, you know, two months away from formal gym training and it's not even a problem and, and nothing changes. Like, yeah, okay, like I've I've lost muscle. Um, I'm, you know, notably lighter. Um, but you know what? Like me, I don't give a fuck and realizing that it doesn't matter and it's not going to change like how I think about myself, how much I enjoy life. It's not even going to change what other people think of me. You know, that, and that's at the point where I'm at now where training is just something that I genuinely do because I like it and I like to go a couple times of the week. If it's pumping all week, I won't go to the gym. I'll just surf. But it's good to have an alternative, you know, because if you surf every day, what happens when it's shit? What happens when you just don't want to surf? What happens when you've been surfing so much that you just want to break? You know, and that's what training is for me now. Surfing is the, the main physical activity and hobby that I do. And coming back to nutrition, 
the approach that I take to nutrition now is not, oh, I want to try and use nutrition to fuel my attainment of this like image that I think will make me happy, but it's to fuel my ability to do the things that I want to do, surfing and still have enough energy and fuel to, you know, then still enjoy the gym and have a good session, even though, you know, you've got to accept trade-offs there, but then also be able to socialize and not have food be like a source of anxiety or stress or even a reason to not socialize. Um, That's such a good relationship to have with both food and exercise as well. It's not focusing on the external body changes. It's I'm exercising to create a result that's going to allow me to be healthy and surf better or for longer or, you know, and that I sort of went through a similar phase when I sort of started training for like the triathlons and the running. It was, you know, previously I went to the gym to, to look good or to look a certain weight, either put on weight, lose weight. Whereas as soon as I signed up for these massive endurance stuff, instantly I just started losing weight, losing muscle. And I went, shit, I look like a stick right now. I feel weak. Like I just must look disgusting. But internally I was still like, you know what? I'm fine with that. Cause I'm working towards this goal that is meaningful to me. And that was sort of the first time where like, and I think I previously had a good relationship with the gym and exercise, but it was the first time where I, there was like a disconnect between what I looked like and, and why I was training. It was to have that outcome goal. And um, it's super interesting hearing like you went through a very similar sort of journey with the surfing side of it. Like, because um, I think there's a lot of people that don't have that relationship with food and exercise. They eat for the external views of like what are people going to think like yeah. how are they seeing me <clears throat> and yeah yeah like think i'm living in bondi area i'm a personal trainer in an upmarket gym in sydney and everyone's all the trainers in the industry not just in the gym are competing with each other to be the the smartest guy you know it's like it's a lot of fuel and it's easy to fall into something like this so yeah, these days food is like fuel for the machine so I can do the things I want, but it's also, you know, a, a vehicle to support human interactions. Uh, it's a vehicle to enjoy like a nice experience. Like, uh, you know, I went to Good Day on the weekend in Palm Beach. Uh, shout out to Ash Ward who runs that joint and or he owns it, I don't know. Um, and the avocado toast there. Not conducive to like avocado is obviously very nutrient dense food. It's unsaturated fats, um, but like the amount of avocado I'm freaking used here, like it's a lot of calories. There was no protein in the meal. It was just avocado toast. But I saw that when I went and got a coffee there the other day, and I said on the weekend I'm gonna we're going out brekkie with some friends. I'm gonna get that avocado toast, and that's a fine food experience that was worth having. And it to me it just emulates this this idea that food does lots of things and even just like oh you know having this avocado toast doesn't align with say a goal of wanting to fuel performance or you know like improve physique or recover because it's got no protein in it and it's mostly comprised of fats and what have you yeah, yeah. it's really high in calorie but it's like this was a really fun experience i really enjoyed it i paid the 14 dollars for avocado on toast <laughs> and i'm really stoked about it yeah and to me i'm like that's that's awesome that food for me does all these things you know Absolutely. And I think even just, you know, since I've met you, I, my whole mind has changed around nutrition and, and how I have approached it myself. And I think that's 
a massive thing that people can benefit from working with a nutritional practitioner, whether that's a dietitian or a nutritionist or someone like yourself. Um, and where I'm going with this is like every surfer that I've spoken to, especially down at the um, Coolangatta markets where I've been doing a lot of the surf science stalls and stuff, whenever I mention nutrition coaching, they have no idea what that is. They don't even know that that's a thing. They always assume that I'm talking about physical training coaching. And so can you just explain to the listeners, um, if they are in that camp, simply like what does a nutritionist actually do and how do you help people when you're coaching them? Yeah, so typically a nutritionist is someone who will help you improve the way you look, lose weight. Like most people see nutritionists because they want to lose weight. And we have people who see nutritionists who want to gain weight like muscle and that might be, but the crux being appearance, right? Then you have people who seek, that's probably like the, the bulk there. And then second from that, you probably have things like health, you know, whether they want to improve longevity or they might've experienced a, a diagnosis or, and in which case they'll be seeing a dietitian or a nutritionist. Um, Hold on, can we, what's the difference between those to begin with? So, so a dietitian is someone who specializes in clinical nutrition. So if you have had trauma that requires a nutrition intervention or you've been diagnosed with a disease or um, some kind of illness or you've had surgery or, you know, there's, there's something like that um, and you need medical nutrition advice. So more clinical. Um, whereas... Clinical. That's typically what you get with dietitians. There are sports dietitians, which I'll come into a second. Nutrition is not a protected term. So I, I'm a nutritionist. But, you know, a lot of nutritionists haven't been to university. They've just done like a course on the weekend and said, I'm a nutritionist. Um, so unfortunately, I get lobbed in the basket with all the doolies, but um, that's okay. So um, you'll get people who also come to you for performance reasons, like athlete, they want to improve their performance. They want to fuel, they want to, you know, try and develop a protocol for during exercise, especially like endurance ex athletes who have to, you know, there's carbohydrate demands that we want to meet during exercise we've got to think about things like comfort um there are you know various protocols and targets we want to try and meet and energy value all the rest of it right um so for me what i do is i help people use food to help them move towards their best life or the life that they want to live or live a life you know really use nutrition as this life enhancing thing it used to be people come in oh yeah, I've got this photo shoot or I want to look jacked or oh, it's summer or I'm going to Europe, let's do a shred thing or whatever. And I would do that. I'd be like, yep, 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 no worries, mate. These days, like I'm not opposed to doing those things, but it's more about exploring what food can do for a person because a lot of people say they want to lose weight. They'll say they want to shred for, you know, we can lose 2023 or whatever. Of course. Yeah. But really it's not, it's, it's, a, it's an extrinsic shallow goal. It's not a... It's not a ideal self or an anchor goal or a superordinate goal would be the, the technical term. So my thing is like, you know, that can be improved body composition. It could be improved health. It could be changing the understanding of food, maybe move, moving away from all or nothing thinking, or maybe they've just been going from fad to fad to fad, moving away from that. Um, it could be performance nutrition. It could be real like sports nutrition stuff like, oh, fueling and, and developing these protocols for you know, say they're a professional cyclist and we want to develop a protocol for them uh, during their races or pre-race and I've got track and field athletes and weightlifters. And uh, so it's really, it depends, but really it's about what's going to make you happy with your food. Is it improving your body composition? Sometimes changing your body composition can improve performance. Like um, we have research in surfers that has noticed 
professional surface that has also seen trends that things like leanness and muscularity are correlated with professional rank or, or, or skill um, abilities. So, you know, there are lots of instances where changing your body can also change how you perform. But and my thing is like, it should be a little bit deeper than that, um, typically. So yeah, it, it can be more like coaching as you would think conventionally, but it just depends on the purpose of uh, the person, what they want to achieve, what they want to get from food. Um, yeah, that was a really long response. No, no, that's perfect. Uh, I hope it answers it. No, no, you, you, no, there's a lot of helpful stuff in there because I just simply think people don't know what it is yet because it's probably not that widely used, That not in an athletic population. And I think people assume that you need to be a professional athlete to see a dietitian or a nutritionist, and that's just not the case. Yeah, yeah so a lot of those athletes that I mentioned, like they're, they're high-level athletes, but I also have people who are like, I just like powerlifting or I just like CrossFit, or I'm in a CrossFit gym and we've got a great community and I want to take it a bit more seriously. And that's cool. Like you don't have to be a professional athlete to get sports nutrition advice. And, you know, in terms of what it is, it's like consultations and, and documentation and guidance and templates and frameworks and things like this that are, yeah, it's my approach is not like here's a plan, go follow it. Like a lot of people think that you, being a nutritionist is just writing people meal plans. I think these days people think that it's more just giving people macros and calories to track in my fitness power. Um, and it, to be honest, like years ago, I was more <laughs> more like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's more than that. But it, yeah, it's just guidance around how to eat in a way that achieves outcomes that you want to achieve. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Flow Performance Podcast. We will continue the chat with Mac next week for part B, so make sure you stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed the chat and found loads of value you can use to fuel more flow state in your life. If you did enjoy the chat and want to support the podcast, don't forget to give it a five-star rating, leave a review, or even better, share it to a mate, or post it up on your Instagram story and tag Flow Performance Podcast. Any support getting this content out is greatly appreciated. So thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you again next week.